Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe. I'm Amalith. I'm Jim. And I'm Roger. Nice to talk to you all again and welcome to the show, Roger. Yeah, thanks very much. So you emailed us offering to uh, come on and talk about OpenCore because the company you work for uses that model. Yeah, that's right. So I listened to one of the previous episodes where I can't remember what he was, but um, talked about him working on a fully open source company and I thought it might be interesting to have that uh, that counterpoint. So my company, as you say, is an open core company. The project that I help develop is uh, the Mosquito MQTT broker. So we've taken that as a company and in the typical sort of fashion, add on enterprise features that then people pay for and um, hope to be able to make some decent amount of money from that. This is a very common solution to the problem of funding open source where you have the core of the product be open source and effectively an open source project, but then, yeah, you add those enterprise features or just features generally on top of it that are proprietary. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's interesting to consider different, slightly different variations of that as well, though, just because I feel as though maybe we do things slightly differently, so I might have a a slightly different perspective from some people. So if you think of... I don't know, influx data, you know, they make influx DB and essentially that, that came entirely from influx DB comes entirely from influx data. And so you can't separate the two. Whereas the company that I work for decided to start employing me to work on the project that I work on so that they could get the benefit of getting better support that they needed. But the project itself is part of the Eclipse Foundation. So, um, my opinion is that that's really, you know, there's no way to separate that out from Eclipse and the company is then just adding things on top of it. So I think there's a big fear in some cases with Open Core that, you know, if this company that's developing this particular product goes under, then that project could go away. Or if the, the VC say, actually, this isn't working, then the open source version just completely disappears and uh, everyone's out of luck. So I think, yeah, these, these slightly two variations are worth considering. Bad reputations around open core or not, I think I have less of a negative reaction hearing somebody say open core than hearing somebody say VC funding. That's what kind of gets the hackles raised on the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, there is this negative view of open core. It's almost a dirty word in open source and FOSS circles. But I suppose the way you've described it there is you've got a company contributing to the open source project, but then also building some proprietary stuff on top of it that is totally optional. I guess it's when you've got these enterprise features that are not that interesting to the average person that is just going to be running their, I don't know, home automation system, then it's probably not a big deal. But then the way that uh, Jim described it as maybe VC funding being the, the slightly dirtier word, I think there's, there's definitely some truth in that. To be clear, the reason that I said that is... Um... Open core is, well, it's a couple of things. It's a buzzword, but it's also just a basic concept that's been with us for a very long time. And you don't see the existence of paid enterprise-only features really deterring many people picking up a project like MySQL or MariaDB, you know, both essentially the same application, but both very much being technically open core. And it doesn't really seem to bother anybody one way or the other. But I personally tend to feel that in both of those cases, you're looking at a solid, stable business that's using open core to make sure that it has enough income 
to you know maintain a stable trajectory, whereas VCs are usually looking for explosive growth followed by an equally explosive exit that leaves everything in tatters. So I don't really have a particularly negative feeling about open core by itself, but when you tell me open core and I start getting, you know, whiffs of venture capital funding, that's when I start being like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think it all depends on exactly which features are open and which are proprietary. For example, Nginx is technically open core, isn't it? Yeah, totally. That's what I thought, because there's the, the extra Nginx plus thing or something. But on its own, it has everything you could possibly want. The extra stuff is something that only enterprises are really interested in, while something like Mattermost, the most basic essential features are locked behind that paywall. And it just hobbles it for the regular people who want to use it. To give a concrete example, in Mattermost, users are either participants or administrators. And admins have full access to everything and participants can't moderate. There, there's no way to give someone the ability to moderate a channel, but not give them the ability to fuck everything up. <laughs> You have to pay for the ability to have moderators. Huh. And that completely cripples it for all of my use cases. We've touched a nerve here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point, though. And the other angle for Open Core perhaps is dealing with external contributions where they conflict with a goal for the project, for the product. Which is always fun because if you deny a popular pull request because it would duplicate a feature that you've got in the paid part of your product. Well, you can only do that for so long before people just start forking it, and then you start losing relevance because more people are interested in the fork than they are in the original. I think it's also probably worth mentioning, uh, I found it pretty telling that you brought up Nginx, Amleth, because we could say, well, Nginx is an open core product, but to the best of my knowledge, I don't think, well, no, I was about to say I don't think Apache is, but Apache is, it's just that Apache's built-on products tend to be considerably more different than the the base project. However, I think it's still an interesting contrast because while Apache doesn't really have an open core aspect to just the pure web server aspect of it, we start larding on things like, you know, Java servers or what have you. Although the Apache Foundation didn't go open core with it, there are absolutely pay-for-it forks of Apache out there. So, Ultimately, one way or another, I think any popular open source project is going to become open core in one sense or another. The question is just whether it's the original project taking advantage of that or somebody else coming in and doing their own pay for this add-on to the thing that you're already using. That's a very good point because there are like some form software where the, the software itself is completely open source, but then you can have proprietary paid add-ons developed by completely third-party external entities. I mean, that's something that I've thought about as well in my, you know, my context. As I said, the, the company didn't originate the project. That was, that was me. And then I came to work with them. And so I do have a little bit of an internal conflict sometimes with what do I want to push into the open source? What would maybe stay with the proprietary that I don't think would exist if I was a you know, if, if the company that I work for didn't employ me, then they could just take from the core project and make changes, not even worry about whether they wanted to push anything back to the upstream project. And they're fine. They're, they're not, I mean, obviously it would be, wouldn't be good for anybody else, but as far as 
their internal conflicts go, that's that's no problem. I, I worry about that all the time with the kind of you know things that we do. I have to admit, I'm kind of curious. We've talked about how you have your own project that is a part of MQTT and it was already yours, but uh, then the, the company hired you. I'd like to hear more about what your project is and how you came to the company's notice and you know how that whole flow came about and how you feel about it not being only your project anymore. My project is, as I say, Mosquito MQTT, and the company that I work for is uh, Sedalo. You know, naming things is easy, of course. And the project started back in 2009, a long time ago now, and it moved to the Eclipse Foundation in 2014. Then uh, around 2018, I got an email from one of the founders of Sedalo, saying, hey, we're we're making use of Mosquito in our product and we're interested in getting, you know, better, more features in there and wondered if you'd like to come and work for us. So that seemed like a good opportunity at the time. I was working for university and fancied a change. So took that opportunity and um, went to work for that company. Since then, the company has kind of really changed to focusing on Mosquito as the main product. The the other one, which is called Streamsheets, is just on, on pause at the moment, I guess. So from my point of view, it's quite a long-lived project, I suppose. By the time I was approached by Sedalo, my life had changed somewhat from when I started. So the, the work was becoming more demanding. I'd got family pressures. So I was kind of taking more of a back step, not working on that project as much. So I think... It's absolutely fair to say that had Sedalo not come along, then the project might have died a death. But I am still conflicted by it internally somewhat. It's, I still think of it as my project. And, you know, if that's not really the case, that wasn't really the case since it moved to the Eclipse Foundation. But it's still in my heart, my project. And um, I'm glad that it's carrying on and has got this extra boost by having other people work on it as well. Well, I can tell you the project was not going to die. I know too many commercial projects that absolutely depend on it. The project would not have died. It sounds like you uh, you feel like you've sold out in a way. Sometimes, maybe. I mean, not really. I know we're doing good work. I mean, you said before, open cause a dirty word. And it was definitely one of the considerations that I had when I took that role on. But, you know, we still have discussions. Should we just open source everything? It's a challenge. And... You know, the reason that we don't do that mostly is that, you know, Mosquito's really quite well known, I guess, quite well used, um, you know, little humble brag, 600 million uh, magic internet points from Docker Hub downloads, which of course is completely meaningless. And I've got the graphs to show you that it's completely meaningless. <laughs> I've seen Mosquito in the graphs of many a commercial product, like, you know, privately, like in their whiteboard in the office, which is why I said so confidently, no, your project wouldn't have died. So yeah, the, the Docker <sighs> Hub downloads might be meaningless, but seeing it on whiteboards in offices, that isn't. Oh, totally. I wish more people would just say, oh yeah, by the way, we use it for this because there's so many cool things out there and it's just like, oh man, come on, tell me, tell me all the cool things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by Factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that also taste great? 
Try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Amalith tried Factor and said the meals were delicious and extremely quick to prepare. He also loved the smoothies and said the tropical flavor was his favorite. So support the show and go to factormeals.com slash LDT50 and use code LDT50 to get 50% off. That's code LDT50 at factormeals.com slash LDT50 to get 50% off. Quick bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to linuxdowntime.com slash support. And remember that for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed of either just this show or all the shows in the late-night Linux family. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at linuxdowntime.com. So we've talked about some of the pretty big upsides to this situation, but are there any downsides? Yes. I mean, I'm not sure that it's necessarily about open core as such, more just that split of moving from being a sort of a hobby project to being the paid uh, employee. And that is that, you know, before all of my time that I had to put on the, into the project was kind of in my free time, whereas now I spend the day working on this in this area for my customers. So maybe doing a customer-specific project or working on, you know, one of the features for the company or, of course, also working on the open source project. But that means that I don't necessarily have as much inclination to work in the evening on the same thing. So, you know, I know that my GitHub notifications is full of things reminding me that I ought to be looking at some issue or other. And the list of issues has definitely grown, and I I feel pretty bad about that. Well, I can't say I recognize that feeling at all. (laughs) (laughs) He said with fingers and toes crossed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not good, is it? You know, these people are expecting some form of reply. And if you can't give it to them, yeah, don't feel good about it. What they need to do is just do what I do to Amalith and just hassle him on Telegram. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that and, you know, I have to ask the question as somebody who is who frequently finds himself in a you know similar situation. How many of those things that you feel guilty about not answering truly ought to be on GitHub issues and not in a support forum somewhere? Uh, Well, that's the question, isn't it? I... Wouldn't want to put a number on it, but it's certainly quite high. Ought to be on the support forum, I would say, yeah. Significant. <laughs> we can leave it at that. As I was say, I didn't want to put a number on it, but the number that comes into my head is, I don't know, 30 40% easy, probably higher. I'm curious, how much of the code you write would you say is on those proprietary features versus how much would be in the open core part? Or maybe not in terms of code, maybe just in terms of time, how much of the effort you put into the project goes towards open features versus proprietary features? At the moment, the amount of effort that goes into the proprietary features heavily outweighs what goes into the open source project. And I am reasonably comfortable with that at the moment because Mosquito itself is a pretty capable project. I mean, we do get customers or potential customers saying, you know, thanks, we're not interested in those things because the open source Mosquito is 
so performance that we don't need anything from you. I did want to make that point and make it a bit more explicit. I'm not saying that's that spending more time on the, the proprietary features is a bad thing. I don't want to shame at all. Yeah, if it's a mature project that is um, feature complete, yeah, yep. then there's not a great deal of maintenance that needs to happen, is there? Mm-hmm. Nothing's feature complete. Well, yeah, nothing's ever <laughs> finished, right? But, you know, it's it's in a mature state now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. There's still loads we can do. But that's the thing, you know, we're trying to develop these proprietary features. And I guess something that I meant to mention earlier is that the, the challenge that we have as a company is Mosquito's really popular. Nobody knows that this company's behind it. And so that's one of the reasons why we keep these things um, closed is because then if someone searches for these interesting features, then they find the company and then go ahead and maybe... You know, maybe maybe they still stick with the open source version anyway. That's that's not a problem, but we just have that problem of awareness at the moment that nobody knows we exist, and so that's that's why there's that more of the push. I think I already mentioned that you know we still have these discussions. What, what should be open source? What should not? Should we just like open source the whole lot to make our life easier and just assume people will come to us for the support for these things or not? It's it is something that we talk about quite frequently. Could you give us an example of uh, one of your proprietary features or two? Yeah, sure. So the big one for us is high availability. So being able to spin up three nodes of Mosquito that communicate with one another to synchronize session information. So if you're, so you have persistent sessions in MQTT. If the lead node goes down, then the session information is synchronized to the other two nodes. And so your client can reconnect without having lost any information. That is my absolute favorite kind of proprietary add-on. Now, to yes. be to be completely clear, it's one that I would almost never buy, but I love that kind because it's a very obvious value add targeted at you know much higher end customers. And if I don't want to pay your price, I'm capable of implementing it myself with a great deal of time and effort and pain in the butt. But I get to make that decision. Like, am I going to go through and, you know, roll my own HA on this? Or, you know, do I have the budget to just say, hey, I don't need to do that. We can just pay for the feature and get some support, you know, from the original devs thrown in. I think that's a great choice for a feature to make proprietary. I think what really gets OpenCore a bad rep is when rather than picking a high-end feature that's going to appeal primarily to well-funded projects with large budgets and will make life easier. Instead, it turns into a like, okay, how can we make the open source version of this basically useless, but just compelling enough to convince absolutely anybody that they have to throw money at us? Yeah. As I mentioned, the Mosquito itself is already quite good on its own. And so the other conversation that we have uh, internally sometimes is, oh, it's quite annoying that Mosquito is this good um, because everybody just uses it. Which is kind of the opposite to what you're saying there, I guess. Well, it is and it isn't. It's the Red Hat situation all over again, right? I mean, there's, there is certainly a business model to be fleshed out in terms of pure support, like not having to paywall any features necessarily, but just like, hey, enterprises will pay just to get the support and have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. The issue then is that, well, you'd better appeal to enterprises because you're not going to get a whole lot of small business, you know, much less like micro business customers that way. So you kind of have to figure out where you're aiming and what your image is and make sure you know how to make that business model work. Technically, in theory, I have a support only business model for my own most popular open source project. 
in practice, it facilitates me getting hired as an individual consultant more than it ends up being like, you know, the typical enterprise support play. Being the guy who founded the project, it makes it a lot easier for me when I'm coming in pitching myself in the first place anyway. So it just kind of helps me sing for my supper rather than uh, just sitting back and collecting royalties. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, often pulled into calls for customers as well because then they can say, hey, look, this is the originator of the project and people can be impressed by that. Well, it's been absolutely great talking to you, Roger. We'd better wrap it up. But uh, if people want to learn more about you and the project, what link should I put in the show notes? I guess uh, I'm on Fosterdon, RA Light. The project is at mosquito.org and the company is at sidalo.com, which you probably need to spell out properly. Well, you might have to send me that one. Uh, I will do. Okay, cool. Right, well, we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I've been Joe. I've been Amalith. I've been Jim. And I've been Roger. See you later.